What's up, you freaks? Jake Steele here. Thank you all very much for tuning in once again this week. Uh, I do have a great story to share with you all. We'll get to that here in just one second. Uh, please, wherever you're listening to this podcast, make sure you're following. Make sure you are subscribed both here and on the website. The site is ironandsteel.com. And uh, if you're new here or are prone to some sort of forgetfulness or amnesia of some kind, uh, this is the way that it most often works. Um, You guys send me your stories. I sit down, edit those out into a traditional uh, article format and publish it on the website. Um, And then every Tuesday, most often, I read a fresh article aloud and post it as a podcast. That's it. It's very simple. That's what you're listening to, and that's all it is. It's never going to be anything else. We're not doing any um, sit-downs or uh, interviews with some jack jaw about some bullshit you don't care about. It's very simple, very straightforward. I just want to share stories that would otherwise not be shared. That's, that's really what this boils down to. So on that subject, uh, if you have a story that you want me to share here and on the site, don't be a little bitch. <laughs> Sit down, type it out, send it through. I will share every story that I receive here on the podcast and on the site. And uh, that's really a bulk of what I've been doing with the podcast and uh, really with the website for a better part of the last year. It's kind of morphed into mostly your guys' stories and uh, I really, really, really enjoy that. Much prefer telling your guys' stories um, as opposed to telling, reading articles that I've written or telling stories of my own. So yeah, that's what it's morphed into. I really prefer it. It's a lot of fun. So the point is, Uh, don't be shy. Sit down, punch out your story, send it through. My email address is jake at ironandsteel.com. Steel has an E at the end of it. Don't forget. And uh, send them through. I'll share everyone that I receive here on this podcast. So don't be shy. All right. Uh, Yeah, like I mentioned, we do have a great story this week. Uh, It's from a gentleman named Justin Gold. uh, And it's about Eagle Field. And if you're not familiar with Eagle Field or the Eagle Field drags. Um, I guess the best thing I can say is kick back and relax and listen to this story. Uh, I've been to Eagle Field probably four or five times over the years. It's been a few years since I've been there. And I understand that it's grown pretty significantly. So, um, and I think part of that, part of this story that I'm about to tell you from Justin, uh, I think it starts out as, Uh, basically him kind of experiencing it for the first time and then it sounds like it's turned into a bit of a ritual for him and uh, just from his story here sounds like it's um, he's discovered that it's it's grown uh, pretty substantially over the years too so yeah it's a great story if you go to the site you can see a whole bunch of photos too that he was nice enough to send through with the article and uh, that's nice too because it kind of ties the story together um and in this case, the photos are actually great. Sometimes, you know, not to knock anybody's 
uh, photo skills, but sometimes the pictures are better than others. And uh, in this case, they're actually really great. So uh, once you get done listening to me tell you the story, hop over to the website, ironandsteel.com. You can check it out firsthand. But uh, for now, kick back, relax, shut the front door. I don't know what I'm talking about, but uh, here we go. Here comes Justin's story. It's called Eagle Field Dirt. All right, nerds, here we go. Uh, Eagle Field Dirt is the name of this little article here. You can check it out for yourself on the site. Uh, But uh, Justin was nice enough to send this through. It's a great little story. I'm going to just scroll through my website, read it aloud as we go. I'll do the best I can for you. Just bear with me if I fumble over a word here or there. We're just going to keep on trucking. It is not a big deal. Don't get all uh, Billy Madison on me. Today, Junior. All right. Any hoozle, here's what Justin has to say about Eagle Field. It goes like this. I had been hearing word of Eagle Field for some time, but it was usually followed by harsh criticism about how it's dirty, the wind is miserable, the track is no good, and it's basically not worth the effort. Mind you, this was all hearsay from people who had not actually been there themselves. But regardless, I succumbed and never really gave it much thought. Now, I've had my 55 Chevy for years, but it rarely ventured out except a few times a year. And it was on one of these occasions at a local Cars and Coffee that my relationship with Eagle Field really began. Now, I always felt that the car had a sort of 70s hot rod vibe, but it is often labeled as a gasser or like the two-lane blacktop car. At the time, it was primered black with a mild 454 and a one-piece fiberglass tilt front end. Being that the car was relatively unknown, it attracted a few onlookers in the sea of reoccurring cars. A gentleman with gray hair, a long beard, and a weathered face looked the car over, looked at me, and proclaimed, You need to take this car to Eagle Field. Right away, I replied with a laundry list of excuses as to why the car wasn't ready. He looked at me again, pointed at the car and sternly said, this car needs to be at Eagle Field. I would later come to know him as Crabber Joe, a good friend and staple at Eagle Field with his 80s era Pro Street 55 Chevrolet. Now, Joe telling me how my car needed to be there was haunting me. 
And I started feeling shame for how long I've owned the car and never really done much with it aside from work on it. So I called up my good buddy Forrest and I said, we are going to Eagle Field and I need you to weld up my spider gears. Now, Eagle Field is in the Central California, sorry, the California Central Valley, just outside of Fresno in the town of Firebaugh, which coincidentally was legendary for street racing in the mid-1990s, and it's also about three and a half hours from where I live in Santa Cruz. Now, I've been to a fair amount of races, but the first thing that struck me a little different was the warm welcome from the girls at the gate. Most people who work this event are a friend or a volunteer who want to be there, not some random hire from a staffing company. The second thing I noticed was a big sign. The sign read, No alcohol, no bikes. And just beyond that sign, a dude with no shirt, doing a wheelie on a mini bike with a bottle of Jack Daniels in his hand. Upon entering, I was overwhelmed by the sheer number of badass cars. Now, there are some late model imports, but 90% of the vehicles are vintage hot rods, nostalgic dragsters, and many cars that got mothballed in the early 1970s after the closing of the Fresno Dragway and other surrounding tracks that are just now resurfacing and returning to action. You also notice you're surrounded by all sorts of military vehicles in various stages of dismantlement. As when not a drag strip, Eagle Field is a military museum celebrating the runway's military past, including a massive hangar where planes and vehicles are actively being restored and displayed. Early on, I was made aware of Rocky Phillips, who, along with his crew, put the events together. It is a true grassroots event, with Rocky and his team handling every aspect. When I first met Rocky, I introduced myself and he sincerely thanked me for making the trip, making me feel completely welcome. During the first trip, we got beat every race, but it didn't matter. The amount of cars were less than now, so we were able to hot lap right back to the starting line and keep running over and over. We would switch off driving and were laughs and smiles all day long. 
We made a bunch of friends along the way, including members of the Estranged Car Club. I know those dudes. Uh, including members of the Estranged Car Club, drank beer on the starting line at midnight, which has become a tradition, and we slept in the dirt. Returning home, we spread the word, and with every next race, our crew seemed to get a bit larger. Friends that came out just to watch would find the motivation that they lacked and return to the next race with their long stalled project ready to go. My 55 was now no longer neglected either. The welded spider gear stock rear end became a spooled nine inch, uh, a vintage, vintage 671 Mooneyham blower, found its way onto the motor. And once I broke 100 miles an hour, this is an eighth mile track, by the way. Uh, once I broke 100 miles an hour, Rocky told me that I should probably consider installing a cage. I would second that. Once the racing is done and the sun is going down, the action continues. Most everyone stays and camps, so fire pits are everywhere. Barbecuing, bench racing, and beverages ensue. Meandering around, it's easy to meet people, and right around twilight, we've gotten in the habit of taking the cars for an idle, cruising the cars around the pits. It is a great opportunity to hop in someone else's car or take the wives and the kids for a putt. And then there is the hangar party. The large bay doors are opened, revealing a dance floor, lights, and live bands, although it's been a DJ recently, and a full bar under the wing of a Corsair. There there is a restored Huey helicopter on display that you can climb right in and try to start and line up outside an array of vintage nitro cars randomly cackling off throughout the night. Eagle Field has also allowed me to indulge in another passion of mine, photography. Having worked in publishing, I was familiar with uh, shooting events and action, and for the first couple of races, I would make my way to the starting line, but not having photo credentials, I'd do my best to stay out of view to anyone who would care. Then, during one race, Rocky called for everyone to leave the starting line except for officials and photographers. I must have given him a sort of questioning look because he gave me the get back in there head gesture. And ever since, he's had a photo pass ready for me. Like everything, times have changed. And with the increase in popularity and attendance, 
security has also had to be increased. Gone are the days of backing your truck right up to the starting line, and the shirtless dude on the minibike is now also gone. But the event is still as great, if not better. I have just as much fun every time as every time as much as the first time. It's great to get away from life, get to hang out with new and old friends alike, and surround yourself with so many amazing cars that aren't just static, you get to actually touch them too. You can also talk with their owners and watch them get hammered on the track. That's the cars, not the owners. Uh, I'm excited and hopeful to see that more and more of these smaller nostalgia events seem to be popping up every year. Having not missed an Eagle Field race since that first one eight years ago, I can attest that a lot of those rumors are true. The Eagle Field dirt is inescapable and will stay around long after the race is run. They weren't lying about the wind either. Tents and chairs often grow wings. Yes, the track is maybe not the best, but it's also not meant to be a drag strip. It is simply just a stretch of asphalt that we are lucky enough to be able to use to go as fast as we can. Also, the heat and the bugs can get a little ridiculous. But the people, the cars, and community make all of that fade away and the Eagle Field sun, oh sorry, the Eagle Field sunsets are some of the best you will ever see. And the Eagle Field sunsets. Uh, I mean, and the Eagle Field sunsets. <laughs> yeah, I love it when I fuck up the very last sentence in uh, what was otherwise a pretty seamless delivery. <laughs> like we're 15 minutes into the story. It's the very end. Last sentence, like arguably the most impactful and most important sentence to get right. <laughs> yeah anyway uh despite that uh, a great story and thank you thank you again justin for sending that through uh everything that justin mentioned about eagle field is 100 accurate it is a great event i've been many times um regretfully i haven't been in the last few years I don't, not for any particular reason like he said in the story, it has gotten a lot busier, um, but it is still one of the best uh, nostalgia tracks or nostalgia type events uh, you can go to on the West Coast. It, it just is. And what he said about 
uh, the friendliness of the people and the you know the whole thing with the atmosphere there it's 100 accurate uh, rocky is great um, we're fortunate and lucky uh, enough to have rocky make the trip to our event uh, pretty much every year up in Tuta, washington uh, we've known rocky for a long time we love him to death he's just a great guy uh, and he puts on a great event so yeah long story short i agree with every single thing that you mentioned and uh, it was a really really great story and an accurate representation of what eagle field's all about and uh, I guess what I'm getting at is if you're listening and you have not had the opportunity to check out Eagle Field Runway Drags, there's no time like the present. So, all right. Thank you again, Justin. A great story. And on that subject, you guys, don't be shy. Send your stories through. Uh, Jake at ironandsteel.com is the email address. And uh, same thing with your questions, comments, concerns, grievances. We always do a quick little Q&A at the end of uh, every podcast episode. So if you have a something you want me to address or a question or a comment or dirty joke, whatever the case is, uh, send it through. Jake at ironandsteel.com or uh, send me a private message on Instagram. And uh, yeah, on that subject, let's hop into some Q&A. I have just a handful, maybe a half a dozen questions, comments, whatever. So let's do that and then we will say adios. All right. Uh, the This first one really, not a question, just a comment, but it's a pretty good example of uh, a lot of, I get quite a few messages like this and I don't read all of them here necessarily, but uh, I'm always surprised and humbled by how many people take the time out of their day to just send me an unsolicited message or uh, note saying that they enjoy the podcast. Uh, you know, for those of you that don't know, I, there's no real benefit to me personally doing this podcast. This is not a, <laughs> it's very difficult to make money doing a, a, a podcast at all. And, uh, we are certainly a million miles away from generating even a penny if it ever happens. And so this really is just sort of a labor of love uh, from my cold black heart, basically. <laughs> Out of the kindness of my cold black heart. Uh, the whole thing basically is I just really enjoy telling your guys' stories I kind of want to give a voice to people and an opportunity to people that otherwise uh, maybe their stories wouldn't be heard by like mass the masses, I guess you could say. So that's the whole point of this. Um, it's a hobby. It's a passion project. Uh, it's nothing else. And so there are times where I feel less um, excited about you know, recording a podcast that week or whatever. Uh, but I do the best I can because really because of messages like this. So I wanted to share this with you, uh, just an example of some of the messages I get every week and, uh, really appreciate it. Uh, it says, hi, Jake. Uh, I just wanted to say thank you for doing this podcast. It is one of the few that I find interesting enough to listen to consistently 
Uh, and I think that most of that has to do with the sincerity that comes through with it, uh, as well as the overall lack of pretentiousness, uh, which is something that almost all other car podcasts reek of. Uh, this person goes on to say the simplicity of your structure, the listener involvement, and your genuineness all make for a really enjoyable experience. Please do not change it. Uh, thank you again very much for that. I do get a lot of notes similar to that. Um, and so anyway, I appreciate it. On the subject of changing the podcast. I also get a lot of messages from people asking. In fact, uh, right before I went to record this episode, uh, I got a private message from somebody asking if I ever, essentially if I ever do interviews uh, or things like that. Uh, I get quite a few people asking if I would be willing to have someone on or to do an interview or what I thought about you know, interviewing this person or whatever. I'm not, I'm not opposed to that necessarily, but the circumstance would have to be just exactly right. There would have to be a real purpose and a real reason for doing that. I don't have any real desire to turn this into um, just what every other podcast out there is, car related or not. It's usually two guys or you know two people. Um, sitting there telling stories and you know just talking shit and I sometimes that's interesting a lot of times it's not and a lot of times it seems forced and awkward and pointless and that just the whole laundry list of really reasons why I don't personally listen to podcasts at all so with some exceptions. I should say I don't listen to car related podcasts almost ever. And the few that I've listened to and checked out, you know, their production is better than this. Uh, a lot of things are taken a lot more seriously uh, than I take this podcast. But at the end of the day, this podcast is sincere. It is real. It is um, just telling it's very simple. It's just telling your guys' stories. And a lot of people really like that. And uh, myself included. So the short version is uh, I won't be changing the, f the format of this podcast. There's some things that are going to have to change um, as far as how it's recorded and maybe distributed and things like that as um, the podcast climate changes like things that are beyond my control but the basic premise of what this podcast is I think it's always just going to be telling stories provided uh, by listeners and people that read my website that's it and I really would like to get to a position where you know every podcast is 55 minutes to an hour long I read four stories uh, and yammer less uh, at the beginning than at the end and just really tell as many stories as I possibly can per episode. So right now at any given time I have maybe six to ten stories that people have sent in. 
I tell them usually in order uh, that they're received, uh, just because that seems like the easiest and most equitable, I guess, way to go about it. So what I would really like to get to is where I'm spending a full day, like every Monday, sifting through, you know, 15 or 20 stories that came through and just get them all built in the backside of my website and start plowing through them and telling four or five, six at a time uh, per episode and just tell as many stories as I possibly can. I know there are millions of stories out there uh, just waiting to be told that are great that nobody's ever going to hear because they're small time stories or they're personal experiences. So we have less of an opportunity now. Most all the magazines are gone or going away. Um, So I feel like we have less of an opportunity to tell stories in general uh, in any real meaningful way. And uh, more specifically, telling, like I said, the smaller, more personal experiences that would otherwise not be told. So that is my goal with this podcast. That's what I want to do. The end result of that big long rant is if you have a story, please send it through. It does not matter if it's big, small, uh, whatever. If it's a super long story, I'll break it up into two parts or you know, if it's short, I'll tell another story along with it afterward or before. Uh, The important thing is just documenting this stuff here on the podcast and on the website uh, and getting your stories told. So send them through. Jake at ironandsteel.com once again is my email address. Don't be a little bitch. That's all I have to say. All right, rant off. Uh, The next thing was, uh, what do you think about the uncertainty being found? We've already talked about that. Someone asked about it uh, an episode or two ago. I think it's great, Um, you know, I'm not obsessed with the uncertainty. I think it's noteworthy that it was found. You know, at the end of the day, there were people, it's not like it was just materialized out of the ether. Um, There were plenty of people that knew where it was. Um, It just wasn't super public. And so do I think that it's cool that it was found? Yes, absolutely. Uh, Do I think it's in the right hands? Uh, Yeah, I would say so. And, uh, I'm not sure what their plans are with it, um, but I'm sure they're going to restore it, I would guess. And I think that's great. It's just a little piece of uh, hot rod history, and I'm great. um, I think it's great that it's been found and uh, will likely be restored and shared. So I think that's cool. Um, Let's see. This says, this says, uh, thank you for telling... Oh, this is interesting. Thank you for telling other people's stories and giving them a chance to be heard. My question is, have you ever received a story from someone that was so, (laughs) that was so bad that you didn't share it? Uh, Surely they can't all be good, right? (laughs) Uh, Not really. No, that's kind of the beauty here. Uh, There's no expectation. Doesn't have to be, every story doesn't have to be a home run. Uh, in fact, you know, I understand the fact that not everybody's a professional writer and that's kind of what makes this special and fun is that, uh, not every story is going to be a perfectly polished, uh, you know, this piece of masterful, like, you know, it's, 
it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be perfect in order to share it. And in a lot of ways, uh, the imperfect nature of a lot of these stories kind of makes it more fun. So, uh, no, to date, I have not received a story that is, quote, so bad <laughs> that I haven't shared it. But uh, challenge accepted. If you... <laughs> If you have a bad story, send it to me. We'll see if I can't flush it. All right. Um, what are you? Next question was, what are your plans for future builds? We've, this is a really common question. I get this uh, very often. Uh, the Nomad is next on my deal. And that's first and foremost. I've got a car that kind of needs, it's like three quarters of the way there. Or is like a... A car that is done but needs some buttoning up and so I'm gonna get that done then I'm gonna do that 56 uh, Chevy Nomad and the goal for that car is to drive it literally every day like uh, throw away the keys to my you know regular cars and drive that with like almost no exception so that's the goal we'll see how that goes uh, but that is the next uh, next one in the hopper um overall this question says overall how would you characterize the health of this hobby and what do you see the future of it looking like i have no idea i feel like this question's been asked a handful of different ways basically is the hobby dying it depends on where within the hobby you look in my opinion you know, I don't see this, I don't, I don't know. I don't see it going away. I think it gets smaller. I think it becomes more niche. It's already very, very, very niche. I think people that are super engrossed in the hobby and like, you know, people like me and probably a lot of you that are listening to this, that sort of as cheesy as it sounds that like sort of live this hobby or that don't have other hobbies or don't really, you're just so focused, hyper-focused on this hobby. I think what a lot of people that are like that and so passionate about this stuff kind of lose focus of is how small, really small this hobby is in the grand scheme of things. Like sometimes, it's shocking to me that I'll be in a, it's, this is not for my benefit. I'm not saying I, I need a pat on the back, but it is shocking sometimes when I'm out in an old car, which is often, <clears throat> and it's a good looking older car. It's striking. It's uh, to me would be an event to see it out in the wild, you know, and it's always, I guess, shocking to me when people don't seem interested like the general public it's not noteworthy to them that there's a uh you know 90 year old car parked next to them at the fucking feed store you know like that's not doesn't it doesn't strike them as uh if not cool at least different like not even people don't even look twice it's like i don't know if it's uh people are just not focused on anything but themselves in general anymore or uh, completely unaware of their surroundings or, or what the deal is or if they just truly 
find it uninteresting, but again, the point is not that I want them or need them to notice, but it is striking to me when people don't. And so the point is, I guess, it's important to remember that our little world is so small, tiny, 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 a niche within a niche, because even people that are interested in quote old cars, um, may not have an understanding of what traditional hot rods and customs are. So yeah, the point is, I keep saying the point is <laughs> the real point is most people don't give a squirt of piss about this hobby, like the general public. So I think we need to, it's important to remember that, uh, and just kind of keep our heads down and, and focused on what we enjoy and not get so hung up on what's going to happen to the hobby in the future or whatever. I think it's going to keep on trucking along. I think it's going to get even more niche than it is now. Um, but I think it's going to give an opportunity to people like us who are so passionate about it to, it's going to give us an opportunity to own more or cooler cars, maybe, uh, in the future than maybe we would have been able to in the past. Like long story short, I think there's going to be a lot of really cool cars coming available for pretty honest prices because of the fact that maybe the hobby's shrinking a little bit or, um, at the very least, in my opinion, not growing, I guess would be a good way to put it. So you know, I don't have a crystal ball, just like anybody else. The health of the hobby, it's an interesting way to put it. I, I don't know. I think it's still uh, going strong, but I don't see it like flourishing and like exploding in popularity uh, anytime in the foreseeable future. But I, I would love to be wrong about that, but uh, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, next question is, I've been wanting to submit a story for your consideration, but I haven't written anything since college, which was 30 plus years ago. Am I overthinking this? Yes. Yes, you are overthinking this. Uh, again, I try to drive this home every episode because I get a lot of questions like that. There is no expectation about what the story should be or, uh, how polished it needs to be just just sit down and write the story and send it in. Don't, yes, you are overthinking it. So don't do that. Uh, all right. Uh, last question. Then we'll say goodbye. Uh, I thought this was interesting. It says, uh, can you share some more of Dale Matthews stories sometime? I would love to do that. And I think it's about time that we do do that. So maybe next episode, uh, I'll share one of the stories I have in the hopper already from you guys, but uh, maybe I'll pepper in a quick little uh, Dale Matthews story because he is really an interesting guy. His stories are all great, uh, well-written, funny, and uh, yeah, his stories are always fun to tell. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, Dale Matthews is a local um, uh, classic car dealer, I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, older guy that's been doing it for 12,000 years and uh, he's just super funny super energetic like gets more done in a day than most all of you listening uh, and myself too I'm sure he's just always going 
always getting into some sort of a weird deal and uh, always has a funny story to tell. He sat down and wrote a book called Every Deal's Different, uh, the Dale Matthews story. And um, there's a few dozen stories in there and they're all just hilarious. And I, I've shared quite a few over the last you know dozen or so podcast episodes, maybe more than that. But uh, yeah, they're great. And I do enjoy telling Dale's story. So maybe next episode we will... Uh, blow the dust off of that book and uh, pick one at random and share it. Okay, that's all. Let's call it quits. I think we're running right on time. So, all right, you guys, sincerely, thank you all again. Please do send your stories through jakeatironandsteel.com. I didn't mean for that to rhyme, uh, but it did. And uh, yeah, if you can do one thing for me other than send your stories in, uh, it would be subscribe to this podcast leave a review, share the links, tell your friends and family. And you're just now realizing that that's probably four or five things, not one thing. So there you go. Give an inch, take a mile. All right, bitches. Um, Thanks again for listening. Justin, thank you very much for that story. I greatly appreciate it. And uh, sincerely do appreciate every one of you for tuning in every week. It means a great deal. All right. I will speak to you all again in exactly seven days. Peace.